We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I'm your host. Patrick Moran, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much as always for locking in, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcast from, or whether you're checking us out on the video side on YouTube, appreciate you very, very much. Today is Friday and we're doing a fan Friday. What I did, I did this last week and I'll be doing this in some weeks anyway in the future. Um, some Thursday nights I'll tape a live show, whether it's at Imperial pizza or somewhere else. And I'll have a guest when I have those shows on, that'll be the podcast for Friday. When I don't do a live show on Thursday night, I'm kind of doing a, a fan Friday where I turn it over, uh, to you guys and girls who listen, who watch the show, who follow me on social media and, um, ask some questions and I'm going to go through them. I'm going to answer them. Taping is late, by the way. I got before I get started. I want to let you know this. I'm taping this really late on Thursday night. Meant to tape it earlier. And quite frankly, to be honest with you, the Sabres were on. They're playing at Boston. No, um, no Alex Tuck, no Rasmus Dalene. That was announced just before the game. Devin Levi got called up. I'm like, this dude is going to be the sacrificial lamb. They're playing at Boston. They've lost four in a row. This team is pathetic. It's going to be ugly. And sure enough. The Sabres play one of their best games of the entire season. Uh, Devin Levi was spectacular. Uh, the new guy from Columbus they traded for, Eric Johnson, who everybody, or Eric Robinson, see? I literally just got his name wrong. But anyway, Eric Robinson, everybody was piling on him, killing Kevin Adams for the trade, including myself, even though, to be honest with you, I barely even know who the guy was. He didn't score, but he played great, a great team effort. They go into Boston, one of the best teams in the league. And, and they get a victory. What an enigma the Buffalo Sabres have been this season. It is just, um, sometimes it's hard to believe. But at least in this case, that is um, for the good. So anyway, a, a big win for the Sabres. So I watched that game. Had to collect some thoughts because I, I want to tell you this right now. 
I do have not a ton, but a, a decent amount of questions and comments from some uh, show fans that I want to get to. A couple of them on the lighter side, although to be honest, not many. What I want to say is this. I don't, I mean, I have like a couple notes that I jotted down, a couple uh, bullet points to hit on. But aside from that, I don't really know in some cases what I'm going to say because this might be an incredibly um, emotionally charged episode of Talk Buffalo today because I'm pissed off. This has been Thursday, a, a stressful, stressful, annoying day for me. A lot of these questions, and I'm going to get to them in, in just a minute here. Um, I'm just going to take all the questions about Tyler Dunn's article, uh, a three-part series that dropped on Thursday about Sean McDermott. And instead of just asking 20,000 variations of the same question, just going to give you my thoughts on the article and the feedback from it in just a minute. But I got to tell you this. What a bad rabbit hole. What a cesspool social media could be at times, and especially Twitter. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I spent, and I'm mad at myself. I spent a big, big chunk of my Thursday late morning after I read the article, going into the early afternoon, into dinner, quite literally in the evening, through the Sabres game, and probably 30 seconds before I hit the record here on StreamYard and my audio mixer to start this podcast, just going back and forth, arguing, in some cases arguing, with Bill's fans. Some of it respectfully, some of it just absolutely fucking absurd. And I, I get mad afterwards at myself. I'm like, why am I doing this? And I thought about it earlier today. I put this on Facebook, and my Facebook is a lot different than my Twitter. My Facebook, I really try hard to just keep to, to family and to friends, people that I know, at least to some extent on a personal level. Whereas Twitter, of course, Twitter is about, for me anyway, it's about news. It's about engaging with Bill's fans, but many of them, most of them, in fact, I don't know. It's about using it as a platform to help promote this show, things of that nature. I'm not going to sit here and say everything about Twitter sucks. But if you get dragged into the rabbit holes, it could get really ugly, man. It could get real ugly real fast, in part because people you don't know say things that you can't always put context to. You know, if I'm going at it with somebody, say on my Facebook, a cousin or somebody that I know and we're bickering about a, a sports topic, a life topic, whatever it could be, I at least know them and know that maybe there's some context to it that I wouldn't be able to, to disseminate just from typed words. Whereas on Twitter, you're going at it with somebody and God only knows. You don't know the context. So it could sometimes come off and rub you the wrong way. But anyway, it was just a very nasty, a, a very ugly day for me. And I'm telling you right now, folks, I, I made this New Year's resolution. I put it on Facebook today, my 2024 New Year's resolution. Usually I spend a couple weeks, a month thinking about something that I want to do. And honestly, I usually fuck it up and it's over within a week to 10 days anyway. But I'm telling you, my New Year's resolution for 2024, straightforward. Twitter, you will see me pretty much on a daily basis because I'm going to go on there in the morning. I'm going to put out the links, the promo for that day's episode, a video clip. I'll come back in the afternoon. Uh, I'll hammer it again. Uh, I'll look for, 
you know, some sports news or some regular pop culture news, world news, whatever it may be. I jump on there periodically. Uh, I'll tweet a couple thoughts here and there, but that's it. I am like, like if I have tweet deck, I have one column that's dedicated to my mentions, you know, the people who like your shit, who retweet it, who engage you, who, who comment on your stuff, good or bad. I'm just going to delete that column. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole anymore. It's just, it's a waste of time and, it, and it's a waste of energy. And I'm guilty of it too, man. I'm no better. You know, you guys are screaming to me into thin air about what your take is. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And conversely, I'm sure for some of you, I'm doing the same thing. I'm saying the same thing to you is going in one ear and right out the other. It's just fucking frustrating and a big waste of time. And this Tyler Dunn, Sean McDermott saga that went on all day and night Thursday. And I'm sure if you're listening to this Friday, probably get much more of it on Friday. It's just out of control, man. It is absolutely batshit crazy right now on uh, Buffalo Twitter, Bill's Twitter, whatever you want to call it. For a little bit of context, too, the Buffalo Bills are playing the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday in a critical game, a game that is nearly do or die. If the Bills lose this game on Sunday, technically the season's not over. Well, their shit is on life support, like for real. That's how big this game is. Not to mention anytime the Bills and the Chiefs play, it's always a big game. That's where Jim Nance comes to town with Tony Romo. You got Pat Mahomes. You got Josh Allen, arguably the two best, most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, mixing it up on the field. It's always a fun watch. And my point is this. That game is Sunday, just a couple days away. That's only the third biggest Bills story of the past 24 hours. That's how nuts and crazy it is in Bill's Mafia this week. It's just fucking bonkers. Of course, Vaughn Miller comes back to practice. And I got a couple questions and I'll give you some thoughts on that. But anyway, that's the big story all over the news on Wednesday. And then again, I'm taping this late Thursday night and it's all about the, uh, the Tyler Dunn piece on Sean McDermott. So let's just start there. Let's dive in. And again, like I said, instead of a bunch of variations of essentially the same question, I just want to jot it down some notes. I, I want to give you my thoughts on the article and perhaps as equal or maybe even more importantly, the, the reaction from Bill's Mafia, because honestly, I'm kind of shocked. Um, as for the article, and there are a lot of people, especially if you're not on Twitter, who probably have not read this. Let me start by saying this. If you have not read a three-part series that Tyler Dunn dropped on Thursday on golong.com. And I'm not trying to be salesperson for Tyler, but go sign up. It's eight bucks a month. That's how he makes his living. And I'm telling you, this story was uh killer. Double-layered. To me, it was double-layered, okay? To me, it's, it's fascinating, uh, both good and bad. Good that it's incredibly well-written. Bad, that is um, a very strong indictment on the Bills head coach. Good because he put 21,000 plus words into this series. Bad because uh, the reaction from fans is just crazy. You know what? Not just fans either, okay? Let me, let me put that out there too. A couple content creators, and I'm going to name one or two of them individually in a little bit. 
So I don't give a shit. Got nothing to hide from here. When I'm when I'm gonna call someone out, I'm gonna call someone out. I don't care if it's a friend or not. And I'm gonna do that. And I would expect somebody to do the same, but they got issue with me. Anyway, content creators, even somebody in the media that I got a problem with. More on that as well in uh in a couple of minutes. But yeah, the reaction is just so strong. I mean, it is the story. It's been the story on social media, and then it became a story during the Buffalo Bills press conference, which I'll get to that in a second as well. But anyway, this article, again, it was broken down in the three sections. Um, part one, uh, Tyler shows a, a lot of blame. Um, Sean McDermott putting a lot of blame. It's called the blame game, that section. A lot of blame on, on other people for the Bills' ultimate lack of success. And I'm not talking about getting 10 wins during the regular season, stuff like that. I'm talking about the ultimate success. You know where I'm going with that. A lot of stuff in that section about the blame game. Um, part two was called Lost in Translation. Some puzzling, if not worrisome, speeches from Sean McDermott to his team, including, like I said, one that resulted in Sean having to take to the podium on his press conference before practice on Thursday and addressing it. Um, some major coaching gaps are outlined. Um, an intro to the term that I never had heard of before called Kodak moments. And that essentially is Sean McDermott's penchant for calling timeout before biggest moments of the game that ultimately always seem to go against the bills, whether it's 13 seconds, which was twice, whether it was the hail Mary right before Arizona whether it was before the Philadelphia Eagles just two weeks ago kicked a 59-yard field goal to, to tie the game. So Kodak moments, a lot of that section was about that. And then the third part, the third section was called Let Josh Be Josh. Just, um, again, another really strong indictment on um, Sean McDermott's inability to, to let go and, and let, you know, to, to the fullest extent, let, let Josh Allen be who he's going to be. Just riveting stuff, strong stuff. Um, Tyler said in the story that more than 20, I think it was 20, maybe even up to 25 people he talked to sources that were interviewed for this story. Most of them sources. And for a lot of people out there who are bitching, won't you reveal your sources? Guess what? That's not what a source is. You don't reveal your sources. Nobody in the media or in journalism, sports, news, politics, any, well, they, you don't reveal your sources. I heard that shit so much today and it's triggering me literally right now as I'm trying to talk. But there were a couple people who talked on the record. Uh, Patrick DeMarco was one of them. Um, Lee Smith, former tight end. He was another one because that's another thing was clearly not all, but I could tell that a lot of the criticism that the Bills fans, a lot of the wrath they had towards, uh, towards Tyler from this were people who didn't read the shit. And that's obvious because it was all, you know, it's all bad. You know, you only source or, or, or quote all the negative things. Not really true. Sure, a lot of it was negative, not going to lie, as it should be, quite frankly. But Patrick DeMarco had lots of good things to say about Sean McDermott. He talked about other players who had good things, other coaches who had good things to say about Sean McDermott. Um, Lee Smith, great things to say about Sean McDermott. So that is also bullshit. You know, the... The hit piece, that's what I keep hearing all day too, hit piece. To me, a hit piece is somebody who um, has nothing but negative things to say about somebody, somebody whose intention is to take somebody down. And that's not necessarily really, in fact, it's not what this is. Oh, I told you, 
This is going to be a raw episode, um, some raw commentary right here, warts and all. I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to edit out every little uh, breathing mistake I have anytime I step over my own words in the heat of the moment because, again, I don't have a long list of notes. I don't really have a script on paper or in my mind of what I'm going to say and how I'm going to react to some of this stuff. Just an outline of Tyler's stuff and some of the reaction that, uh, like I said, is it's fascinating me, both good and uh, and bad. But anyway, quickly here, then I want to take a break because I am going to get to other stuff besides Sean McDermott and Tyler Dunn's piece today. But to me, this is just far and away uh, the most important thing. That first section, the blame game. Lots of coaches, lots of uh, former coaches, players, uh, they're not fond of Sean McDermott's his style or his personality. Um, there's little things in the article, micro things, we'll call them. Um, and I'm not going to give away a lot of it. I'm going to read you know, a little ex excerpt here and there to kind of give you a little bit of insight. But I'm not going to give away every little detail because obviously I want you, and I'm sure Tyler wants you to go and read his work. He doesn't want somebody to go on a podcast and word for word uh, read the article. Although if I did that, I'd probably be here to next Thursday because again, shit is 21,000 plus words. Anyway, things like um, the offensive lineman. He got mad at some offensive linemen because of their sneaker choice or um, some potentially inaccurate quotes or statements about Sean McDermott's work ethic were brought up in this article from uh, speaking engagements that he had. Uh, emotionally, vol emotionally volatile. That's another term that was getting thrown around a lot in this article of Tyler's. There was another section, a couple paragraphs that was dedicated to uh, when the Bills would lose a game. Monday after a loss, a source coach called it blame game Monday. Um, what else I got here? Talks about taking over play calls. Hey, I remember this too. Remember that 2020 Kansas City game when Kansas City came to Buffalo? Which, by the way, it seems like the Bills go to Kansas City every year and Kansas City's never been to Buffalo. They were here uh, back in 2020. Sean McDermott took over the play calls on defense that day and would not let Pat Mahomes beat them deep, completely willing to surrender the run. Kansas City on that night, it was a Monday night football game, completely obliged, completely gassed the Bills defense, ran for 245 yards in a very comfortable 26-17 uh, primetime Kansas City win. Anyway, according to, uh, to Tyler and in the story, after the game, Sean McDermott blamed Leslie Frazier. I have a couple excerpts that if you're watching on the video side, I'm going to pull them up on the screen. If you're uh, only listening on audio, of course, I'll read them to you. But anyway, this is one of two from this section that I wanted to make sure that I highlighted because I thought, I, like I said, I thought it was um, very good. He says, and I quote here, the coach wasn't quite sure how McDermott would manage to put Dorsey's head on a stick. After all, it's the head coach. Beloved defense that has melted in four straight postseason losses. The honeymoon period with fans ended a long time ago, pointing a finger at his breadwinning quarterback. Again, surely wouldn't work. Even back in June, the assistant knew his old boss would find a way to deflect blame. Watch, he said. If they sputter at all during the year, the narrative is going to be the offense. On cue, sees a blame were planted, loss to loss, to an agonizing 24-22 loss to the Denver Broncos on November 13th. McDermott didn't lament the jailbreak blitz that um, teed up the game-winning field goal, nor did he take ownership for 12 men being on the field, a penalty that gifted the Broncos another field goal attempt. He gushed over the defense, 
trash the offense and can Dorsey the next day. Accardi probably didn't expect to throw on the table so soon. All the ensuing 37-point offensive outbursts in Philadelphia did two weeks ago later was further brightened the blinding spotlight on the real problem in Buffalo, a problem that began long before the Bills devolved into a 6-6 six and six team loitering in the hunt. The great mystery to 2023 season, what happened to the Buffalo Bills, is no mystery at all. It's McDermott. It's always been McDermott. That's um, a direct excerpt, excerpt, I should say, from Tyler in his article. Again, you know, I know a lot of people out there are talking about Tyler just taking pot shots at Sean, making it personal, having an axe to grind, personal bias. Tell me the lies in that article or that excerpt. Show me a lie from what I just read to you. Forget the motivation, but what you think is the motivation anyway. Show me the lies, folks. Show me the lies. They're going to be hard-pressed to find any. I want to read another one, too. I want to pull it up here. Um, this is another small excerpt. And then, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm not going to read too many more of these. But he says, and Tyler writes, the coach who instills belief, real belief, is the coach who will win in January. The bigger the game, the bigger the moments. McDermott freezes. As his defense struggles, McDermott only turns more conservative. Buffalo's win over the Buccaneers should have never boiled down to Chris Godwin failing to turn around on a Hail Mary. When the Bills' offense had its foot firmly above Tampa Bay's throat, up 24-10, McDermott punted four times at midfield to end the game. Fourth and five from the Bills, 49. Fourth and nine from the Bucks, 47. Fourth and two from the Bucks, 44. And fourth and one from the Bucks, 48. With Josh Allen as his quarterback, not Trent Edwards. Leaning into a C-plus defense versus any good team via punts and field goals, is nonsensical, yet predictably stale. If anything, the injuries on defense should have prompted McDermott to actively lean into a high-flying offense, not his defense, which brazen, with brazen aggressiveness. This was the perfect season to pivot philosophically. Again, folks, I'll say the same thing. Show me the lies in what Tyler is writing. Show it to me. So anyway, those are some excerpts, and that's all section one. Section two, loss in translation, um, the 911 speech, which we now, you know, people, whether you follow Twitter or not, or whether you know, even know who Tyler Dunn is or not, you probably all know about it by now because Sean McDermott addressed it during his press conference. Long story short, he cited uh, the hijackers as, as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks on America to perfection. Now, in fairness to Sean, I think it was taken out of context. I believe his apology today was sincere. Tim Graham uh, put out some tweets or later in the night and, and talked about sources said that this was old news in the Bills building. This is not something we're finding out and learning about. This just now in Tyler's work. But this is something that was not new or not known around Bills circles, and it was addressed and laid to bed years ago. Still the point, though, man. I mean, he even asked the group during training camp, what tactics do they think they use to, to come together? The only good thing about this is just if you're really a comedic dude and you want to see some funny-ass memes and tweets, Twitter is full of them following um, that revelation about Sean McDermott today. But anyway, you know, that could be considered funny in a way, although it's completely not, too. Um, the Bills, I didn't know this stat. Tyler pointed out in his article, the Bills... Since 2021, 
are just seven and five when they lead by between one to eight points inside the final two minutes. That is the worst winning percentage in the entire NFL. So if you have any doubts right now about the Bills struggling in close games, especially at the very end of a close game, not necessarily one score games, but one score games when you got a lead inside of the final two minutes, there's your answer. Literally the worst percentage, the win percentage in the entire NFL. Um, he highlights other meltdowns um, from this season over the, you know, a pass going back over uh, the past few seasons, all the way back to the 2019 playoffs when the Bills blew a 16-0 lead um, at Houston against the Texans. And then the last part was titled Let Josh Be Josh. Man, I think it's pretty self-explanatory there. I will tell you, though, though I, you know what? I don't want to miss out. I do want to read one of them, at least, because I thought this was really good. Unlike his boss, Allen does not come closely or come remotely close to assigning blame, doesn't embarrass receivers on national TV, doesn't swipe into air holes on the sidelines, doesn't kindly remind the public what McDermott said back in March when in truth is fully within his rights to alert your attention to those train wreck comments. I'm going to get through some of that because I want to get to the Marvel part here. There it is. Realize you've been gifted a Marvel character at the most important position in sports and let him fly. Then there's McDermott sitting down with NFL Network last March. He made it abundantly clear that Allen needed to siphon those sorts of plays out of his game. And then it's a couple quotes about McDermott kind of talking about that balance there with Josh Allen. Like I said, I'm not going to read the entire excerpt from Tyler, but honestly, again, you know, it's really, it's really damning stuff about Sean McDermott. It, it just, it was a great article, man. It was a great read, a long read. If I'm being completely honest with you, if I have one criticism, one criticism only uh, about the series, the only thing personally I did not like was the length, three sections, 21,000 words. It's hard to digest all that at once. You know, I would personally give me some good information, some scoops, some some source information and let it marinate with me a little bit. I want to I want to digest it some, but I couldn't. Because honestly, I knew there was more coming, man. And I was too intrigued uh, to stop reading throughout the entire thing. Spent most of my Thursday morning uh, reading this. So I wish it would have been like something like more like one per day. I would have had a little bit more of a chance to, to read and digest instead of moving on. It's kind of like Netflix. You know, when Netflix has a, a TV series, they'll drop an entire season and you could binge that whole shit back to back to back to back to back. That's what this was. And that's what I did as opposed to say a, a network TV series, you know, that's one episode per week where something happens, you sit on it for a while, let it digest. And then you're ready to move on to the next one. Anyway, that was my only beef with, uh, with the article itself, just phenomenal shit. And what I want to do is take a real quick break and then I'm going to come back. Cause this is what I'm really looking to get into the fan reaction mostly fans, a little bit of content creators and, and media as well. But some of the shit was just crazy and outlandish. And I'll be right back. I'm going to talk about some of it right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back here, Fan Friday. Supposed to be going over questions, but, you know, right now, the significance of, of this Tyler Dunn article and the reaction from it, that's all I've talked about to this point, just because I think it is such a fucking polarizing topic. Fan criticism. A lot of it is quite annoying to me, to be honest. And not, if not even annoying, sometimes idiotic. Absolutely idiotic. Tyler was accused by many Bills fans of this being a hit piece. And Tyler Dunn has a, a personal bias. And Tyler Dunn has an axe to grind, you know, ranging from his Jim Monos' boy to Del Whaley's boy to complaining and, and being spiteful that he's not approved for getting credentials to a Bills game or, or to cover the Bills, which is fucking ridiculous. Tyler Dunn is a long-form feature writer. He doesn't need credentials. Credentials are for people who cover the team. If you cover the team and you're there in the locker room on a day-to-day -day basis, getting stories, talking to secondary players, say if you're doing a story on Deion Dawkins and you want to talk to a coach and you want to talk to, say, Mitch Morris, you want to get a couple quotes here and there, that's where being uh, in the locker room every day has great value. You could develop relationships. You could develop sources through covering a team on a day-to-day -day basis. There's plenty to, to gain and plenty good reason why it matters having credentials if you cover the team. But guess what, folks? If you don't, it means fucking zero. It does not matter. I promise you that. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. And how many former Bills or current Bills have I had on this show? National sports media people. Credentials don't mean shit. 
if that's what you're doing. What Tyler's doing, he doesn't need access, not from the Buffalo Bills, to cover a team. And plus, he knows a bunch of people. And doesn't need, trust me when I tell you, your boy does not need uh, media credentials for the Bills. And that's not why he has any personal acts to grind against the organization. I mean, come on, man. But it's just it, it, that part more than anything else really got under my skin. Looking at comments today, and I put out some supportive tweets of Tyler's work, like a lot of other people did. And that in that opened up. Some people agreed. And then a lot of people bashing. You know, a lot of, I can't take this serious. It's personal. It's a hit piece. It's a hit piece. Axe the grind. All this bullshit. The timing of it. That's the other thing, too, by the way. The Bills are playing the Chiefs this um, Sunday. And conspiracy theorist fans out there think that Tyler waited to this precise time to put out the article just before the game. Because I guess Tyler Dunn in his um, angst against Sean McDermott wants to sabotage his career and sabotage this Bill season by putting out a hit piece 48, 72 hours before their biggest game in the season. People say that shit. That's that's like real talk, man. Fucking real talk. I, I'm going to tell you why it bothers me. If this same article was written by, say, Ryan O'Hallorhan of the Buffalo News, it could be well-written, well-sourced, and if you, you if you told me it's personal to him, he has an axe to grind. This is who he is as a person. He's just a hateful guy. This is his boy. Yada yada yada. I don't know how I would act because I don't know Ryan O'Halloran. I respect his work, but I don't know him. And I think the reason why I'm so triggered all day long on Twitter. And even at this moment right now on this podcast, the reason why I'm so triggered is because I know Tyler Dunn. I know Tyler Dunn very well. And it's fucking ridiculous. I promise you, it is ridiculous, folks, to think that Tyler wrote this article because he's got an axe to grind against the organization or personal bias against Sean McDermott or that he is trying to sabotage a season with the timing of an article and that this is just simply a hit piece, a takedown piece. That is just fucking stupid. It is stupid. And I could say that. I could say that because I know him. I've known Tyler Dunn for a long time. I've known Tyler Dunn's wife for a long time. Tyler is a good person. He is a, a phenomenal writer. He is one of the top sports journalists in this country. And almost everybody except some Bills fans know this. There is a reason why he's on like the Rich Eisen show or Colin Coward show. It's because he's a phenomenal writer. He's a phenomenal writer. Some people have said... They make fun of the fact that he charges $8 a month for an internet website. Like he can't have employment anywhere else. Let me tell you a fun fact, folks, that I know is true. A couple of years ago, before Tyler even started Go Long, the Buffalo News were practically falling on themselves wanting to get Tyler Dunn back on their staff. He's worked for them before. And they're not the only ones. Most major newspapers around the country would do the same. That's not an insult to the Buffalo News. That's a compliment. 
just so we're clear. Tyler Dunn, after he left Bleacher Report, could have got a job anywhere he wanted. He started to go along because he wanted to. He wanted to be his own boss. He wanted to tell his own stories the way he wanted to tell them. And it's been a huge success. Huge. Just look around, man. Look at Peter King retweeting them all the time. Albert Breer, person after person after person. You know, you don't just do that for anybody. You don't do that for me. You don't do that for most of the content creators or the, the journalists or, you know, the, the real media people around Buffalo. Tyler is a different breed, man. That's him professionally. Him personally, he's a good dude. He's a stand-up dude. I know him. A lot of people in the media know him. He is one of the most genuine, nicest fucking people in this business and outside of this business. A great dude. So for people out there, if your primary, if not your only beef, is that he's writing takedown pieces because he's got some acts against the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott specifically, you're fucking wrong. You're wrong, period. And this is mostly from fans. Mostly, but not only. And I'm going to call a couple people out right now because I don't care. I, I, I really don't. It bothered me to the end of this earth to, to, to see some of the bullshit that I saw today from fans and from others. And one of the content creators, you know what? And I'll be careful here. I want to walk a little bit of a thin line because I'm a cover one guy. I've had so many people from cover one on this show. Aaron Quinn is one of my best friends in podcasting. Love Aaron Quinn. Greg Thompson's a cool ass dude. Mad respect for Greg. Greg Greg's been on my show plenty of times. Not even just Bill Suck. I do an annual podcast show with him, him and Bruce Nolan and Joe Marino. I love it. I love Greg Thompson. Eric Turner's my guy too. All the respect in the world. Anthony Brohaska. Those guys crush it, man. They do great work at Cover One. I think at their best, their coverage, how they cover the Bills is as good as anybody. And that includes the mainstream outlets. So I'm a big Cover One guy. All right. These air raid guys, too, on a personal level, Steve Mathis. I like Steve Mathis. I respect the dude. I've had him on this show. David Tilton, too, his partner. I like those guys, man. I got no personal beef with them, but, but, and I'm pretty sure Steve. And if I'm wrong, I'll apologize. But whoever runs the air raid Twitter account, follows some bullshit ass tweets today. And it fucking pissed me off because it's dead ass wrong. And then, Steve or whoever, they're not, not a stupid person, but definitely stupid ass tweets. Straight up. Straight up, man. Um, one of them, air raid guys, again, the Bills guys in Buffalo. They're first, and I'm not going to put up all the tweets up here all night, but I'll, two of them I will mention. One makes fun of Ty Dunn sources. Jim Arnold's times are 10. Heath Farrell minus five, or times five. Bobby Johnson counts for five. Isaiah McKenzie counts for four. And then Quinn in Spain. See, that just tells me right now, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. If, you, if you're going to make fun of some other things, do it. But making fun of Tyler Dunn when it comes to sources just shows you don't know what you're talking about. Ask anybody. It is one of the most widely known things in sports media circles anywhere that Tyler Dunn has quite possibly the biggest sports media Rolodex of sources with players and coaches, and front office people of maybe any sports journalist in the country, man. With the exception of maybe like Peter King. But he's right up there. Tyler Dunn is one of the most tightly sourced sports media people you're ever going to see. So to sit there 
and make it sound like he talked to the same five people, but he's counting them as 25 fucking different sources because that's what Tyler says in his story. I, I believe it was 25. But to sit there and make fun of that is just complete bullshit. And again, it was also, you know, the whole, what I've already said, talking about that the axe is the grind and, and stuff like that. And I'm going to pull up actually more tweet. And this one's a little bit longer, but it's again, it's from the Air Raid podcast, part of the Cover One Network. And I'm going to read this for the audio side because he got a lot of shit. A lot of people came at him, including me at the time. And hey, I, I mean, I don't agree with it. I think it's bullshit to their credit. At least they, you know, they kept their line and they kept their foot in the sand, put drew a line and they stuck to it. Doesn't mean I don't think your shit's ridiculous, but at least I'll give them credit for that, even though I think it's bullshit. But anyway, here's what they said. I said Ty Dunn's piece shouldn't be taken serious. And I meant it. Never said the stories he told weren't true. The man set out to dig up as much dirt on Sean McDermott as he could. It was targeted. It was intentional. At the end of the day, it's all frivolous. Dude wrote that article like he uncovered Watergate. It's football. It ain't that serious. Sidebar must be serious because you're still tweeting about it. I'm still talking about it. And literally thousands of fans were engaging with me, you, and a lot of people all fucking day long. Anyway, all he did was embarrass a guy who had already apologized to people he needed to apologize to. Is McDermott a control freak? Yeah. Did he think his coaches were getting too close to his players? Probably. Does he think Josh is immature and Steph is a headache? Probably. Did he use an insanely dumb analogy? Yes. But he's a decent person who has his flaws. You can criticize him without vilifying him. Those taking victory laps today and celebrating all this are disgusting. Toxicity fuels you. Think about what makes you as a person. I'm guilty of it myself. That, that's a direct quote from them. And don't think Ty didn't choose this week of all weeks to release this. It's personal to Ty. McDermott fired his source, Whaley, and his buddy, Manos. <clears throat> you know, I mean, that's a, that's a terrible fucking tweet. First of all, all this shit Tyler wrote about, you're basically confirming it to be true, that you agree that it is true. What he wrote in the story is true. Last I checked, he's a sports journalist, and he's writing a story. A story that you even confer is true. I'm vilifying him. And if he is, he deserves it, man. All the things you just said, you said it yourself. Again, I respect Steve, Dave, that crew very much. That is just some weak ass fucking Tweety, man. That was some bullshit, man. I just, I, I hate it. He said it too. Also, I, th I think it was Steve. I'm literally team fire McDermott, but you just can't take anything done, says about McDermott. Serious. It's clearly biased. Some sort of axe to grind. Just, oh, man, I, I don't know, man. Like I said, anybody who knows Tyler Dunn and knows his sources know that is nearly unrivaled. And it's just, uh, it's crazy. You know, some of you out there are, are, were acting, are acting, we're acting like, like Tyler Dunn is some like tomato can trying to to make his, a name for himself in, in this business. He's quite literally one of maybe the, the five most respected sports journals in this business, period, period, man. Doesn't make shit up. I uh, just, I think it's absolutely pathetic for anyone out there who's attacking the character of somebody that they don't know. And I'll say it one more time. Maybe I wouldn't feel this strong about shit like this if I didn't know the person and know him as well as I know Tyler Dunn. To me, you're just you're attacking the character and you're ignoring the story itself. 
So that's, you know, that's almost a gist of it. And then there's one other day I want to pull up too. You know, I've had this long beef with John Worrell from Associated Press for, for years. Same shit. I, I say, I make fun of him, you know, and sometimes I'm an asshole to him. And I'll, I'll admit that. I'll own that. And sometimes he's an asshole to me. And he brings out the same old boring ass shit time and time again. His one line and his go-to line is he'll bring up shit from, with me and Sean Merriman going back from like fucking 2011. Whatever. It is what it is. We did that for years. Kind of, I don't want to say kiss and made up, but just been a little more respectful, so to speak, of each other for over the last couple of years. Even follow him on Twitter. And as in this recording, anyway, he follows me. But he put up a tweet today, and I thought this was fucking bullshit. Uh, he tweeted, people have issues with their former boss story at 11. Now, look, I want to be fair, man. People who don't, you know, know Ty, fans especially, maybe content creators like Air Raid, you don't know Tyler, you don't know shit about him, you've never worked alongside him, he's not technically one of your peers, you want to take your little cheap pot shot, sure. But this is a fucking mainstream media guy. What a bullshit fucking subtweet asshole punk ass bitch thing to say. That's some weak ass shit, man. And then like he had a tweet later talking about subtweeting. That is like the biggest subtweet right there. Don't even name his name, but everybody knows what you're talking about. Everybody. That was some, that was some straight up bullshit, man. That's Bush League, man. That is bullshit. Bullshit. Later on on Thursday night on Twitter, we started getting to something else. And I went left to record, so who knows if that escalated even more. But he said something about me talking about inaccuracies or that he never said anything was inaccurate. I never accused any, him of being inaccurate or anything. I accuse him then, and I'm accusing him now on this show, right this second, of putting out a bullshit Bush League fucking potshot tweet at Tyler. That That's a weak-ass shit, man. And I would, you know... Not the biggest John World guy, but I, I would expect more from that. And there's plenty of others. I could go on and on some of the comments here. But at this point, I've said my piece, and I don't want to, you know, give attention to, to any more people or any other things that are that are not deserving. Look, bottom line, it was a great series. It really was. It was a great series. It was a real eye-opener. We learned some things. Some things we already knew about, you know, the 13 seconds, stuff like that. Um, but to me, this wasn't about new revelations as much as kind of like reinforcements on the things that we either already knew or that we already suspected. And when you couple that with the team right now, that is six and six, uh, things at times certainly seem to be unraveling on and off the field. And, you know, there's legit reason for concern. And I think before today, before this article, I would venture to say that if I polled 100 Bills fans and said, what's your biggest beef with this football team? What is your biggest beef with this football team right now? If I would have asked you that 48 hours ago, I guarantee you a majority and maybe a vast majority would have said the coaching. And now all of a sudden, because Tyler Dunn calls it out, you're going to rush to Sean McDermott's defense? No. The guy's got flaws. The guy's not a good game day coach. I've heard stories that not to the extent Tyler has or wrote about. I've heard stories. He's not the easiest guy to get along with, man. Not the easiest guy to, to work for. And to some extent, who gives a fuck? That's how a lot of companies are. A lot of bosses are. You don't always like your boss. You don't always enjoy working for him. Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. You go to another company, 
and you thrive. Good for you. All that matters is the bottom line. And the Bills are a team that have been a Super Bowl favorite for three years. Two of those three years, they've not made it past the divisional round. And this year, they're staring, not making the playoffs directly in the face. And you look at why. And you look at the coaching. And you look at three games this year, the Bills blew a lead inside the final two minutes. Where do you point that finger at? The person that it should be pointing at, the same person that Tyler Dunn wrote about. Fascinating as shit, man. And I've been going at it for, this has already been pretty much a full episode worth of uh, one Tyler Dunn piece. Losing my voice. I kind of want to get to a couple other questions before we get out of here because if I would have did a podcast 24 hours before this, the only thing that would have mattered was Vaughn Miller. Lots of Vaughn Miller questions I got. Instead of, again, I'm just going to lump them all up. So, some quick thoughts on him being back at practice on Thursday. He showed up Wednesday, but it was, see the air quotes here on video side, a veteran rest day. My fucking ass, a veteran rest day. That was, uh, we're not going to put him on the field. We're going to put Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott out there to take some bullets, and then we'll get him on the field on Thursday. How do you get a veteran rest day? Literally, after having a, a fucking bye week the week before. I mean, come on, we are not stupid. Anyway. He's back at practice doing drills on Thursday. Uh, my, my quick take, I hate it. I think it's the wrong move. I think it sends the wrong message to everybody. Uh, I want to give some props. I mentioned Ryan O'Hallorhan earlier. I want to give him some props. He's Buffalo News. Great article about this on Wednesday. Kind of a blasting, appropriately blasting, in my opinion. Terry Bagula, I agree with him. I think Vaughn Miller should be able to practice. You can have him practice. You can still pay him. He hasn't been convicted of anything. I get all that, but shouldn't play. Should not play. I uh, pointed out Pagula just being an absent owner who, uh, you know, he still won't talk to the media about shit. It's, it's really frustrating. I feel like this is something worthy uh, of getting at the very minimum statement from Terry, let alone being able to sit there and, and face the music with the media and answer some questions. But of course he didn't. Instead, predictably, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott uh, took to the podium on Wednesday, took some bullets for their owner uh, being tried. Held his own, but, you know, some success, but definitely a couple of slip-ups. One of them really bad. Uh, he said, if any of this were true, would be out of character for the person we know. Like, yeah, uh, I begged a digger there. You know, I'm going to differ with you there on Brandon. Three times, just three fucking times in a matter of a handful of years. This has happened. So I, I you know the person you know. Come on, man. Um, anyway, I, I respect Brandon Bean. I'm, I'm a big Brandon Bean guy. I always have been. Just like I said, this is what happens when you're put out there to take bullets for your for your owner who's just not going to deal with it. He was good, except for that one statement. Like I said, I beg to differ on it being out of character for the person that you know. I don't think anyone buys it either. Anyway, Sean McDermott, been talking about him the whole show, I feel like. Um he was a robotic disaster, but that's not really, you know, what he's even supposed to be good at. I, and plus, I, I just, I can't hate him. <laughs> I've had, I've hated on Sean McDermott enough for, for one episode of Talking Buffalo. I can't do it anymore. Again, you know, when it comes to Vaughn and when it comes to Sean McDermott, it's so hypocritical. You know, a couple of days ago, people are crying for the media to, to be harder on the bills. You know, and then when someone is, they complain anyway. You know, it's crazy. I would bench Vaughn Miller. If it's me, I'm, I'm benching Vaughn Miller for, for the rest of the season. Or at least 
until like details might emerge from what happened in Texas. Allegedly, that really shows like there's no evidence. There's no nothing that Bob Miller did anything wrong. If that's the case, then he plays. If not, and I'd feel more comfortable about him at the time. If I'm Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and Terry Bagula, that's what I would do. He would, but he wouldn't play before that. And quite frankly, you know, not to be, ins- I'm not being insensitive towards what happened in Texas, but if you're looking to, to make a statement, you're looking for some, some good PR, bench his ass anyway, because quite frankly, he ain't doing shit on the field anyway. He's a liability at this point on the field. It should be an easy decision. And maybe they don't, maybe he's inactive on Sunday for all we know. They've given no indication that's going to be the case. But I've been talking about this. I've been pounding this table for weeks. Vaughn Miller ain't one of the best four defensive ends on the Buffalo Bills right now, period. I don't even know if he's one of the five best defensive ends. So scratching him can be an easy decision. And they can smooth over a lot of things with a lot of people and show that they're willing to take a tougher stand on what allegedly happened by doing that. But don't look like they're going to. Uh, a couple more here, and then I'm going to get out. Brian Hayes, finally going to get to some singular questions here. I'm going to run through them, too, because I know we're running late. Brian Hayes says two things. The Miller thing is a terrible look. They shouldn't have him on the field. McDermott had his flaws for sure. If you've listened to any Ty Dunn's podcast, he's had it out for McDermott all along. Shitty timing for a, a salty article. Again, I, I, I don't buy the Tyler Dunn has had it out for them at all. I just think that's dumb. You know, I remember because Tyler's been on this show twice this year. In fact, both times they've been live. Once I had him on solo from Imperial Pizza, and then I had him on again in Imperial Pizza with a live show with uh, Tim Graham over the summer. Both shows were a lot of fun. But anyway, one thing that Tyler, I remember talking to him about when I was on solo with him was the Bills' success in the regular season and how they've played like shit in the playoffs. Four straight years of defense has blown up in the playoffs. And he said, and this was before this season began, because this was over last um, summer at some point, talking about how the goalposts should be moved. Fans should want more than regular season success. The Bills should be judged on what they do in the postseason. Sean McDermott should be judged on what he does in the postseason. I don't think it's, in terms of timing, you know, again, the whole timing, salty article, more conspiracy bullshit that the guy that he's planned it out, you know, right before the Kansas City Chiefs game. Which, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you write 21 fucking thousand words and when you've interviewed 25 people and you got to piece together sections, that is more than a couple days worth. Because a good part of this detail with coaching gas was dedicated to last week's debacle in Philadelphia or two weeks ago. The story didn't come together in 72 hours, just in time for the Chiefs game. Just crazy. And as for Tyler, you know, what he does for a living at Go Long, look, he writes interesting, riveting pieces, deep dives. That's what he does. That's why he's not working at the Buffalo News or the, the New York Daily News or any of those places like that. He's working for himself because this is what he wants to do. He wants to write deep dive features. Deep dive features do that. They deep dive. You might not like the topic. You might not like what you're reading, but Tyler's there to, to, to show you what you need to see, not necessarily what you want to see. But again, on a personal level, any, any talk that Tyler just simply has it out for the bills and he's not going to write anything objectively because it's Sean McDermott. It's just, it's just stupid. It's just dumb, man. 
I don't think you're dumb necessarily. I just think that's a dumb point. That's all I'm saying. You feel free to disagree with me. Uh, Buffalo KL. Seems like he needs an absolutely stacked defense in order to be good. You think a defensive-minded coach would have the ability to get more out of less than a defense. Instead, he made Matt Jones look like Peyton Manning. I mean, look, I mean, it's part of the story. And even, you know what? For a second, all due respect to my guy, Ty. I love Ty. Great work. But you know what? Fuck the story for a second, okay? Forget about the story. Because they're acting like his, um, Sean McDermott's transgressions, at least on the field coaching, is like some kind of new revelation in the last 24 hours. Bullshit. We've been seeing it for years. And we've really seen it this year. Again, six and six. Lots of things that went wrong. The offense has sucked, especially in the first half for a lot of the season. Josh Allen blew the Jets game. Let's just throw that shit right out there. So you could easily say, we well, do this, you do that, and the record's different. Agreed. No question about it. But again, you have a, a, a lead inside of two minutes against the low, lowly-ass New England Patriots. You have a lead inside two minutes at home against the Denver Broncos in a game that you should have beat them by three touchdowns. You have a lead inside of two minutes against the Philadelphia Eagles, and you lost all three of those games. If you win, if you have your defense, whether they played great or like shit, make one freaking stop on the last series once out of those games or one stop end of the series, you could be nine and three right now. Worst case, even seven and five. Seven and five might make a big difference between six and six and seven and five. That might be the difference between nine to 10 wins or 10 to 11 wins. That might make you get in the playoffs or miss it. So, look, I mean, Mac Jones looking like Peyton Manning. Maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. You know, a couple stupid defensive penalties. Jordan Phillips whiffing on a screen pass that, you know, allowed New England to gain 30 yards on first down. I think it was maybe a little bit more of that than Mac Jones. But the point's taken, man. You know, the defense needs to be absolutely stacked to be good. Like I said it with Leslie Frazier, saying it with Sean McDermott. The Bills under Sean McDermott have beat up on shitty quarterbacks and beat up on, on shitty offenses, which is to their credit. They do what they're supposed to do, and then they don't play as well against the good teams. Sean, he says, in a perfect world, if McDermott got fired and you could hire anyone, who would it be? Uh, ben Johnson from Detroit. I know he's the popular choice, but since you said anyone, um, I'll tell you, I want Brian Dable. I know that's... Some people are probably rolling their eyes because of how shitty the Giants are this year. But, you know, if Brian Dable forced his way, got fired or forced his way out of New Jersey, I'd hire him. And I'd hire him because we already know, we've already seen, we already know that he brings out the best in Josh Allen. And that's ultimately what it's all about. Somebody who's going to bring out the best in the quarterback. And I think he's very respected at one Bills drive. So... You know, again, I know the Giants suck this year, but so does Danny Jones, and so does Tyrod Taylor, and so does Danny DeVito, wherever the, the fucking DeVito that quarterback is, that that got going on right now. The Giants are just a mess. I still like Brian Dable, and I think he is, uh, he'd is he be the right fit. As much as I hate Anshaw McDermott, I don't blame Bagula or Brandon Bean, whoever would make that decision. It's Terry Bagula for keeping McDermott and letting Brian Dable walk because he can't get rid of McDermott after, you know, getting the AFC title game and then a divisional round of winning 13 games. So I get that. But yeah, 100% for me, I would take Brian Dable right now. Rochester Gray, Bills could easily be 4-8. and eight. They could have lost both to the Giants and the Bucks games on the last play of the game. It's very true. And it makes you think, man, how much 
Would the temperature be different with Sean McDermott, though? If, you know, six and six right now almost feels like the Bills are four and eight because of what the expectations are. So it would be embarrassing to be four and eight. But I'm not sure that the temperature towards Sean McDermott is uh, would be all that much different. Look, there's not a lot of pro Sean McDermott people out there right now, Bills fans. A lot of fans who are on the attack on Thursday are on the attack because they think Tyler Dunn took an article and made it completely personal. Which again, I know Tyler well enough to know that's not the case. But Bills fans feel that way. At least not all, but some do for sure. But those same people probably would want Sean McDermott fired tomorrow if they could. Um, the kid, Ricky, 43. Bills versus Chiefs game prediction. I'm going to stick with what I said on yesterday's show with uh, Anthony Marino. I got the Bills winning 34-23. Kansas City's going to have the ball inside of two and a half minutes or so, driving towards a, a touchdown to get within a score. And somebody, I don't know who it's going to be, there's going to be a late interception, and it's going to thwart any drama. The Bills will get one first down, take a knee, and a nice 11-point victory to move to 7-6. and six. I think the Bills play really well against the Chiefs. They've beaten them two straight years in a row in Kansas City. I think it could be three. I think the Chiefs, although obviously very dangerous, are, are a mess. So Taylor Swift's going to be there. I think she's going to be there anyway, and she's going to watch uh, – Watch your boy lose to uh, the Bills. So I, I do have the Bills. Um, couple more here. Snip G. Oh, hockey. <clears throat> Bringing back Akuso, Gergeson, Olofsson, Jost. Krebs still figuring out and not producing. Forcing Greenway into a role other than the fourth line. Not addressing the injury to Quinn. Have no idea what the deal with Bryson is. Wave him already. Get the roster spot open. Perfect storm for a disaster year. Yes and no. Because it's early December, and I'm being a hypocrite because I said the Sabres are toast as recently as a few days ago. Fought with my cousin, showed him a gift of some burnt-ass toast after the Sabres lost their fourth in a row. And maybe my mindset would be agreeing with you a little bit more. But quite literally, but just before I started the show, I just watched Buffalo going to Boston with no Rasmus Dahlin and with Tuck on IR. And they, they go out and they beat Boston in their building, and Devin Levi looks like fucking Ryan Miller and Dominic Asik combined for one game. So, complete disaster of a season, premature. Can they dig themselves in any more of a hole and still be okay? Also, no. They got to they gotta tread water. I've said this. Well, Dage is already back, but got to tread water. Stay in the thick of it. You don't got to necessarily be in a playoff spot, but you can't get buried. That's what it's all about for December and early January. You get Jack Quinn back. Greenway will be back soon enough. Tuck gets back, you get healthy, hopefully, maybe, maybe, maybe you make a move or Kulik comes up and actually starts fucking playing, and then you start to make a move. But you got to stay in the mix right now. Now I'm ready to say it's a perfect storm for a disaster year quite yet. Last one here. If these walls could talk. You know, I talked about cover one earlier and, and showed some respect, gave them some flowers as a whole. Uh, if these walls could talk. One of my favorite podcasts on the internet, whether it's the VidGas or the audio version, I listen to it both ways. Um, one of my favorite shows because it's it's not just about current talk. It's a, it's a nice nostalgic walk and down memory lane. In a lot of cases, they get a lot of good guests on, a lot of fun shit, different, something different from the norm. Tons of respect for those guys. Anyway, they asked NBA in-season tournament, in or out, 
Also on our latest show was our linebackers, best linebacker in Bill's history, Bennett or Tally. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to have to check out the show, the new episode. I have not listened to it or watched it um, yet. I don't have a, a take on the NBA in-season tournament. I'm a big Knicks fan, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I have not been paying much attention. I'll go and look at the Knicks box scores. I think I've watched a couple of minutes of a few games. But I, I know what the NBA in-season tournament is. Don't really understand it much. Don't really see the point of it. Um, I know it's just for money, but these fucking guys are all rich as hell anyway. So what does that matter? So I guess I would say out, but I reserve the right to change my mind once I actually look into it and know what the hell I'm talking about. So no to that. Uh, favorite Bill, or you said best Bills linebacker ever. That's a, it's a tough question to answer because Daryl Talley's my favorite Bills linebacker ever. Ever. Daryl Talley's one of my favorite Bills players ever, regardless of position. Just a beast. Love that dude, man. One of the best, not just football players, but character guys that uh, that I've ever known. One of my biggest um, thrills in sports media was getting an opportunity. This is going back at least a decade ago, maybe longer. I, I had a, a chance to interview Daryl Talley, and it was awesome, man. Loved talking to him. He was so brutally uh, open and honest with me. I just loved it. I remember leaving that interview and saying, holy shit, man, this is my guy. So anyway, Daryl Talley's my favorite and he's right up there. But for me right now, uh, I got to go with Cornelius Bennett, man. He's a five-time pro bowler. Uh, he made an all pro. He was in the top, what, six, I think for AP defensive player of the year. Not once, but twice, 52 and a half sacks as, as a Buffalo bill. So I don't see how you could deny that. Um, yeah. Favorite player tally best. Cornelius Bennett, uh, and would have sent my hot take here though. I think the answer, if you ask me this seven years from now, if you, if you ask me this in the year 2030, my answer might be Matt Milano. Matt Milano is on that track, man. He's such a special player and God, it sucks that sucks so much that he's not, um, in this lineup and that he's hurt anyway. All right. <clears throat> I'm literally losing my voice right now feel a little bit better. Sometimes I say this when I get on this microphone and I'm in a shitty mood about something, uh, sometimes having this podcast and, and talking to all you guys is reasonably therapeutic. I'm looking right now and I shouldn't be doing this as I'm getting ready to sign off. You can see it on the video side. If I'm doing it, uh, I'm taking one last look at, at, at my Twitter, by the way, news a little bit. You'll wake up Friday. You already know this, but the New England Patriots won on the road and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. That could be big for the Bills. This AFC is fucking crazy, man. I'm telling you, the Steelers are frauds. I mean, now you know this, but this AFC is just, there's so many injuries. The window, you know, the windows should be shut on the Bills at six and six, but really it's not. This game, I'm telling you, if the Bills can get in the playoffs, even as a seven seed, I feel like they'd probably be one of the maybe two biggest favorites to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. I truly mean that. Plus, if the Bills get in the playoffs, that means they're going to be on a roll. That means they're going to be playing well because they literally don't have that margin for error anymore. The Buffalo Bills, we know this much, they're not stumbling in the playoffs. But these injuries, you know, Trevor Lawrence going down, um, Deshaun Watson going down, the Pittsburgh Steelers sucking and losing, you know, they have a seven-win team. They just lost at home to New England. 
that door is swinging right back open for the Buffalo Bills. Let's hope they can take advantage. Uh, thank you very much for listening, for watching. Running my mouth for an hour straight is not freaking uh, easy. Although I had a little bit of, you know, a couple sips of water and maybe a couple more crazy tweets to, to read off, which if I went on my Twitter right now, because I haven't been on there in an hour and four minutes, I probably could find more intense, if not wacky, uh, Tyler Dunn reaction shit to, uh, to get back to you guys. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Going to end this again. Thank you very much for, for listening, for watching. Have a good weekend. I will be live sometime on Sunday night. Follow me on Twitter at Patrick Moran TV. I'll have some information. I'll definitely be live at some point after the Bills Chiefs game. And hopefully, obviously, it will be a, uh, a good night for the Buffalo Bills. Talk to you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.